begin to bring attention to the experience of the body. Dropping attention into the physical body. Directing attention, deliberately directing attention, knowing that we're deliberately directing attention, and that directing attention feels like this. We don't know what we will experience in the body, but it's a conscious choice. We know that we are making this choice. Dropping attention to the experience of the pelvis, sitting on the cushion, the bench, the chair. Notice in the pelvis anything that feels hard, firm, heavy, mostly found in the bones. Hard, firm, heavy. This is the earth element manifested in the body. Move tension to the attention to the upper legs. Again, with the tension on the upper legs, noticing primarily the bones, which feel hard, firm, heavy. The knees and the lower legs, earth element, hard, firm, heavy. Ankles and feet, all those bones in the feet, so many bones. Some feeling of hard, firm, heavy. Earth element. This whole lower half of the body accessing the feeling of earth element. And now just invite, it's just an invitation for that earth element to rest on Mother Earth. You might feel it as a release that there was some degree of hovering or not really resting on Earth. Or there might have been a pushing in the body versus just this resting feeling. We call this natural relationship between the earth element in our body and Mother Earth gravity. It's just a name for a relationship that is easeful. You might feel more access to the lower belly or the lower spine as you let the earth element rest on earth.
direct attention to the shoulders and upper arms, knowing that you're directing attention. Again, feeling the shoulders and the upper arms in terms of the earth element, hard, firm, heavy. And then the elbows and lower arms, hard, firm, heavy. Wrist and all the bones, so many bones in the hands and fingers. Earth element. And again, through the, wherever the arms are and hands are, let the weight be underside. There's a sense of relaxed arms, relaxed shoulders. You might feel this as more access to the rib cage, particularly the sides of the ribs, or more access to the spine or the breath able to move more easily. Or you may not feel anything any different. Sitting in the bones, taking this embodied awareness into all the body, feeling the lower half of the body. You may have a few places of sensation or there may be many. Numbness is a sensation. Having feeling tone, sensation in the lower half of the body, knowing, recognizing, cognizing what that feeling tone is, and knowing that you know this feeling tone. Moving attention to the upper half of the body, the torso, the shoulders and arms, the chest, front area of the body, all the way down to the perineum, the back side of the body, from the back of the skull, the neck, all the way down the back, and into the buttocks and back around to the perineum. What are the sensations that you notice? Cognizing sensation is like this. Not just that we have the knowing of sensation. We have sati, we know we know this sensation. We're awake to what we are cognizing. Now with the throat, directing attention to the throat, to the face, to the skull, to the whole cranial cavity. Any sensation in the face that's noticed, or the skull, 
or at the ears, the opening of the ears, the tongue in the mouth. Interest, curiosity in this sensation. Delight in all that is revealed, possibly. Thus the sensations are cognized. It's not just that they're there. There is a cognizing, a knowing they're there. We're conscious of the sensations in the face, the scalp, the skull. And we know that we are aware of it. We are know that we're conscious of it. We know, we know. Is this not true for you here now? Not as a concept, not an idea, just the immediacy of knowing, the immediacy of knowing you know. Is this not true in your experience? E. Pasico, come see for yourself, the Buddha said. And now in this embodied awareness, this body that's suffused with the knowing of its own sensation. Notice the breath as an experience, not the breath as an idea, not the breath as a system process, but the felt sense of an inhale. Wow. Wow. One could even imagine it's like being in a biospace suit. Suddenly awareness is experiencing this movement of air. Wow. And there is a knowing that this experience is being known. Such a big field of this knowing that we know. Such a refuge from all the stimulation of that inhale. If we'd never felt it before, we could go into a kind of confusion or a panic or wanting more of it. But in this knowing we know, it's just one more arising to be known. Such a wonderful capacity, this knowing we know, the sati. And now the exhale. How beautiful an exhale is when felt with this beginner's mind, 
this openness of cognizing it without concept, without control, without judging, without comparing, without fixing. The very phenomena of an exhale And we know, we know this phenomena. Is this not true? Do you not know that you are experiencing the knowing of exhale? Do you not have this larger view while you're also having the immediate knowing of the exhale? Is this not true? A ipasaka open to your own experience of knowing. And then the inhale and exhale together. First the inhale, like the wave to shore. And maybe there's a soft pause or maybe not. And then a receding, an exhale, like the wave leaving the beach. So beautiful. Maybe again there's a little pause before the next wave in, maybe not. without concept, feeling the rhythm of this, not bringing it up into the head as some ideal, something that you've read in a book about the way the breath works, but your actual immediate experience as though never before had you known this. So reassuring its way that it happens without effort, no doing. The nature of the body is breathing. The awareness of the body is a knowing without a doing. We're just knowing the breath, knowing the inhale, knowing the exhale. And this is surrounded, this whole process surrounded by this knowing we know, this awareness of awareness, this awareness of what is arising into consciousness that then is known. Take as your focus this awareness of what is known. Staying with the breath or sounds or whatever object you're most comfortable Make this distinction 
between the elements creating the experience and that consciousness moment, that knowing the experience, it's recognized. And then this awareness that knows it's knowing. And now let us turn our attention to this knowing that we know. What is the felt experience for you just now when you make that the object? This embodied awareness that suffuses everything that arises when we cultivate it not automatically, but because we've chosen to be aware of what is known. Awareness is now both the subject and the object of our experience. A sound rises and registers in this large awareness. Maybe it feels sharp, but maybe it feels like a marshmallow, that the sound arises in the softness of this uninvolved awareness. This awareness knows what is being known. It's available to know. It mirrors back. It serves us so well. It can be used to reassure ourselves, to recenter ourselves. This awareness of awareness, spacious, mirror-like, uninvolved, It has the equanimity of the fourth jhana. You may feel it physically. You may feel it more mentally. It may be so infused with what is being known that it feels like one thing. That's fine. You're not demanding to know it in a certain way. Just invite, may I know this awareness of awareness? May I know? directly know, intuitively know. The object of breath is continuing. It's not that the knowing of the breath has disappeared, 
But the primary experience, the area of interest for us, is in this experience of knowing that we know the breath. Wow. Wow. You may notice the stillness of it. It's silence. It's unmoving nature. It's field-like quality that sometimes arises. A field of awareness. The bigness of it, much bigger than space. Can contain the knowing of all space. It's settledness.
So good morning. Questions or comments about your practice, about the talk, about walking meditation? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to have any other quality, or it seems to contain that awareness. Um, but but it doesn't seem to. But doing that doesn't seem to add that much to my experience or my practice or my knowledge. So I'm wondering if I'm missing. Um, his question has to do with trustless awareness. He establishes. Uh, his collected and unified mind in the breath. And then he, as he gets settled, he goes to choiceless awareness where the mind's just open. It's not dependent on the breath anymore. There's a kind of stillness there and any object can come and be known. And he says, but then if he makes, if he, if he includes being aware that he's in choiceless awareness, that it doesn't seem to add that much. What, what would you think the adding would be? What, what, what do you think it would feel like if it added? Well, I would, I would think it would be bigger, uh-huh. but, but the choiceless awareness already feels... So big. So he, he feels like it would be bigger. There's, there's uh, two separate answers that I'll give from my own experience with this. Again, my colleagues might say different things. One is that, that choiceless awareness, when it's really strong and settled, has a lot of this feeling of awareness of awareness. You, we, we are, we're sort of accessing it. So, yes, you are arriving at the same place. So that's one answer. The other answer is a little more subtle, and that is... Yes, you are there. You're now aware of the awareness in a sense. You've, you know, but you're at the same place. But have you actually said, oh, now I'm going to make the choiceless awareness my object rather than let it be the way that I'm knowing whatever's arising and having that wonderful, settled feeling of choiceless awareness? What if I investigated, well, what is choiceless awareness? What, is, what qualities am I experiencing right now? with this trustless awareness. Like one thing you would notice is the settledness, the spaciousness. You might notice the emptiness, that why it's choiceless is there's not anything in there so that you, so various things you might notice. So that's the only thing I would add, but I don't really think you have to add anything. But if, but if, but if, as a further exploration, you might do that. Is that helpful? Very back, please.
intrusive, almost like a part of the experience. But I, 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 I'm just, uh, it, 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 it's, there's, a diff, there's a difference. And uh, I, I don't know if, uh, it, it just it, it feels off or something. I don't know. But maybe I'm, yeah, I'm critical. When you say it feels off, what do you mean by off? Right. So if I understood you correctly, uh, as you start to work with this, when other thoughts come in that ordinarily you would see as like intruding, pulling you off your object of meditation, that it's not feeling the same way, that it's just part of the meditation. So I would say, again, not knowing your practice, but what I would say is that as you're staying back in the awareness you are, going back to the other comment about choiceless awareness, because you're in the vastness of awareness, it's just one more thing being known. So something's coming in, and it's a thought. Now, you were on the breath, but now the, here's this thought. But it's, it's just another thing. There's no, there's no reason for it to be disturbing, because you are grounded in a deeper thing than your object, your anchor object. Although your anchor object is still being utilized, and right now something's interfered with it, and in the sense of it's not your primary experience, but the knowing is so supporting you that, the, that things can come in and out and not disturb so much. So I, I, what I, again, I may not have understood you completely, and you can pursue this with an individual uh, interview, but to... Uh, uh, as where as as our our sense of knowing is stronger, then when when something comes in that uh, that is uh, we, suddenly we're lost in this memory, it's just a memory. We're not we're not involved in it in the same way. We're not we we there's less selfing involved. There's still a memory, but there's less selfing because there's this knowing, this vast kind of knowing, not unlike what happens in the big sky meditation, those of you who've done the big sky meditation. Go ahead, what, were you, what would you say? Or, does that match your experience a little? Thank you. I had two experiences today. The first one was in the morning meditation and I was getting lost. And then I knew that I was getting lost. Um, but before I stepped back, I was took, t- taking a look at where it was lost. And I thought, what is all this stuff? <laughs> what is all this stuff? It's nothing. And so then I, I just heard, you know, that was new to me. The other experience was when I was doing the yogi job. And... I was focused on getting to as many bathrooms as possible, and but I was aware that other people were using the space as well, and so I was I was knowing that my thought was which way to go, you know, wait or not wait, and then. 
I saw myself doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and both of, so she had two experiences. Once had to do with um, where her, her mind was uh, getting lost in something, and, and she suddenly knew that she had that experience of knowing that she knew she was getting lost. And as she had that experience, suddenly she could see getting lost, the, the, the stuff that pulled her into getting lost in its true nature. That you had a moment of insight there around that. And why did that happen? Because there was this larger sense of knowing that wasn't so involved in the objects. You see, when she was getting lost, she was aware of the things because she had to be aware of them. She couldn't get lost in them. But there was no, there was no larger perspective that gave choice. When she knew she was getting lost, she could suddenly see, well, look at all this stuff. She wasn't so caught in it. The face was no longer at the top of the glass, you know, like face smashing into glass like kids looking out the window. There was a, oh, look at this. So the, the, the ability of, of uh, insight of further information, if you like, a, a larger understanding, a dimensional understanding was available because you had gone into that larger space of knowing. And then with the, your, your yogi job in terms of, she said in her yogi job, she was, which has to do with the, the, uh, uh, supplying bathrooms, she suddenly became aware that as she was rushing to try to get to as many as possible, that there was other people that had other needs, and she, she was aware of her rushing in such a way that gave her a chance to make choice. What is skillful here? I want to, when, when's it right to try to be more considerate of the others? What she had a larger uh, framework, a larger uh, 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 capacity of knowing from which to make choice, and this relates to knowing suffering and the end of suffering. When we see what, when, when we see that we are getting caught in something, or we see that we're causing suffering, or we're suffering, and we know we know that this is suffering, that extra sense of Wow, this is really suffering. I know this is suffering. There's a kind of confidence. There's a kind of that that it's like getting pulled out of the movie and the like you're you know you're dying in the movie theater and then you realize wait this is a movie. <laughs> it's it's got that kind of aha feeling to it and and therefore the the wisdom of mindfulness this the panya aspect the can occur. So there is, it's, uh, I think it was Guy or Leela, I don't remember which one, I was talking about Satipanya, this, this wise mindfulness. Uh, Ajahn Sumedho talks about it as Sati Sampajana, this mindfulness with clear comprehension. You just gave us two examples of that, that can occur around this. This is not different than our regular mindfulness. This is maturing that mindfulness. It's, 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 just further developing it. I, it's not like some whole new thing has been introduced. It's just that you're now examining the very nature of, of, of sati in a way that allows this stepping out. One last question. A lot of them here. Maybe I'll try to do two. Let's see. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'd like to get some more understanding of, the, of those other work. And then the second part of the question is, what was your outcome in having us do that? What did you hope to accomplish? 
Um, well, I didn't hope to accomplish anything, but I'd hope you would accomplish something. He wanted to know more about judging, comparing, and fixing mine, and what did I hope to accomplish. Um, I actually have a whole Dharma talk on judging, comparing, and fixing, because I have found it to be another typology, just like the, the, the greed, aversion, and deluded types. We tend to be either a judger type or a comparing type or a fixing type. We don't want to go off into that today. We, that's not useful for our purposes. But to be aware of how much our minds tend to utilize these three things. We all, no exceptions, here in this room most likely. If so, I'd really like to sit at your feet. Uh, <laughs> That we, the, a judging mind is a mind that labels good and bad. A comparing mind is better, worse, or same as. And the Buddha was very clear about that not being skillful. So for you to become aware of the tendency of your mind and to see each of these, and then the fixing it mind looks at things and, and, and starts seeing how it can improve it. So, and they tend to come a pair. So I am a fixing type. Who, who will then judge. I don't tend to compare that much. You, you may be a, a, a judging type who also compares. We just tend to, where there's predominance. For the purposes of this, of why I was so motivated to do this, is because we're exploring something that's in a way that's a little different. So therefore, we tend to like judge ourselves. I can't, I'm, I'm incompetent because I can't get this. Everybody, you know, or we compare ourselves. Everybody's getting this but me. Or, you know, I've got to fix this so I can do this. I just need to understand a little more, pay a little more attention, put some sort of leaning into it. So the, the taking the vows was opening up to beginner's mind, really, to don't know mind, to just this resting in the intention, the invitation for the experience to arise. It's, a, it's hard to get to that place. If we sit here long enough, we fall into a certain number of those, but... Uh, just for a second. To help other people?
I'm not able to separate myself from the desire somehow. Somehow I can't seem to get the distance, even though it seems to me like I have to right. help somebody else. So, and I'm not really clear on really getting this, this thing about, of, you know, seeing the mind that yeah. Right. Well, I have to stop you there because of our time. So she had this question about seeing that she wanted to help people, and she had this realization that that was causing her suffering. And that's an important insight, that even a wholesome desire that, that involves uh, uh, unskillful attachment causes suffering. And so here on retreat, one of the things we do is we're able to see that, that we all know that unwholesome goals leads to unwholesome results. But even wholesome goals with, with unwholesome means leads to, leads to unwholesome results. And so the way we would learn in this instance, would you become aware of that just as you were doing and then say, oh, so right now the thing I can most do is work on myself. And the more clean and clear and empty I am in my motivation, the more it's simply a motivation of compassion to help others be others and loving kindness to help others. The more I purify myself in this practice, the more actual available I am in a long-term way to help others. And then to be aware of, is there any kind of escapism uh, from sitting here doing my work now by thinking about helping others? I'm going to have to stop with that and you can... Pursue that more with others. Have a wonderful day. Okay, good. Yes, please, since I didn't know them. (laughs) So just a couple of announcements. We are... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.